Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species on this rainy Sunday afternoon here in Melbourne. You are listening to 3CR and today in the room, well actually firstly uh, that was Sal from Out of the Pan and that last song was Hand in the Lake by Nick Barker. Thanks Sal. Uh, So in the room today, we have as hosts uh, Trev and myself, Meg, and also we have our guest, Malia Donovan. Hello, Malia. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. So today is all about World Vegan Day, which is coming up soon. So World Vegan Day across the globe is November the 1st. Uh, It's celebrated in a whole bunch of countries and we'll talk about its origins and also uh, the World Vegan Day event here in Melbourne, which basically changed the vegan landscape. So just to introduce Malia, Malia was one of the committee members uh, organising World Vegan Day. Uh, She also owns a small vegan business, Little Milk Bar. So did you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, about what you do? Yeah, thanks, Megan. Um, So I I volunteered with World Vegan Day from around 2014 till up until the last event, which was in 2019. And I, um, I was primarily in in charge of looking after the social media. So um, over that time, I sort of worked behind the scenes uh, of the event in trying to engage with, you know, everyone out there in the public to get them to come along to World Vegan Day. Uh, And uh, after that point, when World Vegan Day sort of, I mean, don't want to say come to an end, but um, for the moment. Slowed down. Yes, due to COVID. Due to COVID. um, Coincidentally, at the same time, I purchased a vegan business and then have since then been working. Um, that's been my primary energy, where my energy's been going. Your primary focus. <laughs> yes, yeah, my primary focus. Yeah. yeah. So um, World Vegan Day, uh, so as we said, November 1st, World Vegan Day, just to give a bit of a background of um, anyone who doesn't know about World Vegan Day, It was started in uh, 1994 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the UK Vegan Society, which is the oldest vegan society in the world. Uh, It started in 1944 uh, by a man named Donald Watson. So in 1994, which is already a significant amount of time ago, the Mm. the UK Vegan Society Mm. was already 50 years old. And uh, they founded this day in order to raise awareness across the world and to have a day to celebrate the non-exploitation of, of animals and also the celebration of a vegan way of life, a kinder and more compassionate way of life. Now, um, 
as the as the day grew in its popularity, uh, there were many events across the world, and a lot of them were just you know small picnics or events, etc., all celebrating the idea of coming together for a kind of world, which I thought was fantastic. Um, yeah, which I just thought I'd give a little background. So I, I'm one of the co-founders of World Vegan Day here in Melbourne, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, and when we first started, um, the idea was a bit preposterous to have like a quite a big event and we started off I think it was about a couple hundred people in four stalls um, but it really snowballed from there. Was that at Abbotsford Convent? No it was actually at Albert Park Lake. Albert Park Lake. Out in the open. I was I spoke to Mark uh, Donadu yesterday. Who is he's the co-founder we're both yeah we both founded that. He was telling me um, that the idea originated from a group meetup, I think, that you had at Veggie Vegans. Bar. It's actually, yes. The, um, the so it was actually um, was online Vegans Unite. This yes, is kind of the Unite. historical yeah. part of it all. So someone said, um, oh, it's World Vegan Day in a couple of weeks' time. And I said, World Vegan Day, what is this? And so this was back in 2003, um, which is when World Vegan Day Melbourne started. And I said, what are we doing to celebrate it? This is amazing. There is a day for vegans. Um, and people are like, oh, well, there's nothing on. And I'm like, well, we have to do something. And so let's have a picnic. Let's make it public. Um, and then I spoke to Mark at that dinner and he's like, yeah, sounds good. But I think people really don't understand way back then that the idea of veganism was kind of, that was still really foreign to people. And people are like, you're not going to get people to come to your picnic what are you talking about you're not going to make it a big event uh and we even had to have insurance at that time because we made it a public event and for the first one yeah i think wow. well actually no no not for the first one for the second one because we made it official right the first one was really an ad hoc thing it was like created in a couple of weeks um, yeah. but the second one because it was official we had to have insurance and it was it was quite scary because we're like, oh, we've got to try and find, I think it was $1,500, which doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, when you're a volunteer-run organisation, we ended up uh, talking to Paul Mathis, who at the time um, was, uh, he owned Soul Mama and Transport. Right. And we talked and to the, him. He was the first sponsor the first of sponsor. World Vegan Day Melbourne. Absolutely. Yeah. And let me tell you, when we went to that meeting and he said, we pitched it to him. We we thought we were weirdos. You know, we thought nobody's going to believe in us. And Paul Mathis, I have to say for the record, was the first person to believe in us and put, and put money towards mm. it. And I actually got up. I was almost in tears because this was just the craziest thing. And I <laughs> hugged him. And I think he was a bit, what's this woman doing? Yeah. Um, was he or yeah. is he vegan? I don't think he is. Right. He just had Soul Mama was a um, was a vegetarian restaurant with mostly vegan options yeah, in right. St Kilda, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, right on the beach. Um, it was just a, above, um, like it's a two story, this big two story building, mm. and the views were magnificent. And the whole place was just wonderful. It's so sad that they're no longer around. I think I went there once. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, so it grew, it grew to, it, it actually quite snowballed quite significantly and we had it at the Albert Park Lake um, venue for quite some time. I think the next uh, year, I think it was a thousand people. When you say Albert Park Lake venue, was it just outside on the grass? No, it was actually, so the first one was, and right. then the second one I think was, un, it was um, in a set of sheds. Didn't you have, was it the yeah. pit rooms? The Mark pit rooms, was saying that's it. was it. in the pit rooms. Yeah, it was the pit um, rooms with, the... for the actual Grand Prix and I think we had... Right maybe a hundred stalls at that one we it was a significant amount and about a thousand people and it honestly just snowballed from there and we 
like I always believed in it, but a, peop- a lot of people, because, the, you know, the vegan events were not around to the degree that we wanted them to be. Mm. Mm. Um, and really importantly, I think it's good to, to um, emphasise that World Vegan Day was free entry. So all these ve- people who weren't vegans mm. were like, let's go down and have a look. It's free. You know, mm. it's not going to cost us anything, which is a massive, massive and that's, uh, I mean, that's always know. been the ethos is for it to be a free exactly. event, to outreach to the community yeah. um, and create a space where people can try things. Yes. And the fact that you had stalls right from the very beginning meant you're supporting businesses and yes. showing how like, commercially that it's viable and it's not just a community of people coming together and having a picnic. Like It's a whole it's, network. Yeah. It included the not-for-profits, the businesses, yeah. the organisations surrounding that that kind ethos. And it really sort of worked as a networking for people as well. And um, one of the other ethos is, so one of the one of the ethos we had for, right from the beginning was free entry so that anyone who actually was just interested in what veganism was, you know, was could get in mm. and there was no psychological barrier to having to pay to see what it all was. And then also the store, the reduced storeholders fee for the not-for-profits, mm. which is a really, really important yeah, thing. Cool. Um, one of the, one of the founding things that we wanted to do, it's not just a, an event for people to come and eat food and, and enjoy themselves. It's also a really important avenue for those not-for-profits and the people in those not-for-profits who work tirelessly towards kindness and promoting kindness in our world to actually get their name out there, mm. to actually promote to people, to get volunteers, perhaps to get donations, et cetera, mm. which is a really hard thing to do if you're having to pay $500 for a stall, um, which maybe some of the smaller places don't have and, and they're kind of thinking maybe I need to spend that on formula for you know the baby animals or something like that. So. It yeah. was, and the fact yeah. that the, that their prices were always kept at a lower rate, so that they could attend exactly. as a non for profit and yeah. be part of the event. And yeah. I'm so glad. I I was so glad to see that that continued when I left after burnout. It continued that ethos of no entry, uh, you know, no entry fee, and that um, facilitating not for profit organisations to be present at the event was it kept going. Mm. Um, now, so we've kind of, I guess, it, the the event went from um, it, the event went from the Albert Park Lake. There was another venue, um, which I, was in Chadston at yes. a prime a primary school that was was just, shut down apparently through the whole. Um, was it? When one of the all of those schools were getting closed down, yeah, um, oh, in the nineties. Right. So it was only I think it was only one event at that venue, yeah, and then it moved to the Abbotsford Convent. Uh, do you want to talk? Of, were you involved in the Abbotsford uh, Convent? I, no, I wasn't involved yeah. um, with the Abbotsford Convent, but I I was speaking to Mark uh, yesterday, and he was yeah, Mark you know, Donadu, Mark Donadu, yeah. um, and I think it ran from two thousand and eight to two thousand and eleven at the Abbotsford yeah. Convent. That sounds right. And yeah. he it got to a point where it got too big for yes. the Abbotsford Convent that they actually had to then move on. Mm. Yes, because um, unfortunately the the Abbotsford Convent wanted to limit tickets to three thousand, and that wasn't obviously possible <laughs> no and that, I mean the council yeah. were complaining that there was too much traffic yeah. coming off the main road into the Abbotsford convent yeah, um, wow. but it was a victim of its own success <laughs> yeah so it got it, yeah. you know it outgrew its shoes there and that's when it ended up or oh, then moved to Princess Park for one year mm. yes and then yeah. then it ended up at the showgrounds that's a great Flemington. venue Princess Park I've got to say yeah like, it's a shame that not more happens there I know I've even seen music festivals there and I think the residents all complain whenever an event happens at Princess Park 
but it's such a good venue. Mm. Like it's a shame that it doesn't get used as a venue more often. It is unfortunately, it's yeah. yeah, it's an outside facility. So when you have wet weather, it really um, you're unable to really have the the festival atmosphere that you can when it's inside. Yeah. So if it's partially inside, partially outside, then you've got the the entire like you can enjoy the sunshine if there is, but mm. if there's rain, you've also got to you can wander around inside. Yeah, you'd need to put up marquees or something. Mm. To, to cover that for wet weather, but just in general. Yeah. Yeah. And also on the contrary with the amount of food vendors who rely on like a cooler environment outdoors if it's too hot and sunny, especially yeah. in November. Yeah, it can be better indoors, um, yeah, that's true. There's that gamble as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just wondering, do you want to, now I think you um, you came in, what year did you come in to helping organise World Vegan Day? I came in as a volunteer, well, I mean, I volunteered throughout, but mm. um as a, initially, as, as a and it like yeah, yeah um, a low level volunteer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing low level about World Vegan Day volunteers or any volunteers in well, general. I, They're very important. I had been volunteering with um, VegVic before that, and I think that was my pathway into World Vegan Day. I I think I actually coordinated all the volunteers that year, and then from there, I just took an interest in the social media side of things and. Which year was um, this? So I've, my first year was 2014. Then yeah. 2015, I took on um, the World Vegan Day social media. Yeah. And I had this emphasis on I'd seen how the Humans of New York thing had really taken off at that time and how people really enjoyed reading other people's stories. So I initiated this um, A Vegan A Day concept and I was sharing a story of it. I remember um, that. That was really personable and really successful. Yeah, and no, I, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I really enjoyed doing that and people people like hearing other people's stories so it really mm. engaged the social media. And I think, too, at that point, Facebook is was very different back then and, um, yeah, so that was my sort of footstep in. So then from there I just kept trying to do the same sort of thing and um, in. And yeah, so from there, I mean, that's been my main role, like mm. social media, but also... Which is a really important aspect. It's the front and, you know, the front and centre of the actual organisation, you know, the, that promotion of it. Yeah. yeah, especially in this day and age with yeah. social media and yeah. um, how we engage with it. It's even, I mean, I feel a little bit um, outdated now. I don't quite know how to keep up with the younger, like, social media users. There's so um, many platforms now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Supposedly yeah. all yeah. just TikTok and Instagram, and I don't have either of those, so I've got no idea what's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to use TikTok very well either, so it might yeah. be tough, something to relearn. We're all showing our age right now. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> we just <laughs> lost our lower age demographic. Know, yeah. just They're all, all just walking away, <laughs> disgusted. Yeah, yeah, because I was talking to Mark about it yesterday, and he said how having like sort of me engage with social media that way was great because I, I was. You know, at that age level where people um, of my age group were engaging with social media and interested and... Mm. Um, and that was one of young, the biggest demographics yeah. upcoming with the, you know, adopting a vegan exactly. diet as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was, and, and he, as you said that, I was like, oh, I don't quite know if I'd be able to engage like the younger, like, because I mean, that was nine years ago now. So I feel like yeah, the, the level of social media has changed and... 
maybe someone younger can come in and help boost that. Be more in touch with what's going to connect better. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. So that's the the beauty and the strength of intergenerational volunteering is everyone brings a certain wisdom and a certain, you know, set of knowledge, uh, you know, to the actual event, which is really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you talked about, um, you know, the, the personable and the people-oriented stories around World Vegan Day. I want to talk now about um, this idea because, you know, being involved in World Vegan Day and listening to people's stories about World Vegan Day, what I noticed this phenomena happening was that World Vegan Day Melbourne, the event, um, became basically a conversion machine for people you know people who are already vegetarian who would go there would just be blown away by the the products and the variety people who weren't even vegetarian would come along and some of them would Mm. even skip the vegetarian you know step and just go completely vegan because what they saw and and when they talked to these not-for-profits about the plight of animals and they saw all these beautiful products etc Do you have any stories about people coming to World Vegan Day and having this epiphany? I mean, I know um, there, there's a guy uh, called Kyle who is uh, he's involved with Edgar's mission. He went vegan essentially mm. from World Vegan Day. Oh, right. So shout out to Kyle. Yeah. yeah. I think there are a lot of people who, who definitely became vegan at World Vegan Day because if you were contemplating becoming vegan and you came to an event and you saw that, uh, that many people – around you like world vegan day especially in in you know when it really became even bigger i I mean i can't speak for when it was a bit smaller because i really only came in um when we're at the showgrounds but just the sense of there's other people around you who are also vegan it really normalized being vegan yeah um and i i mean i remember in 2015 like there were we one of the the um, venues like because it's the showgrounds there was more than one room I don't recall like buildings yeah. venues and it was just full of people and I remember thinking I had like goosebumps thinking wow like this many people have come together for a vegan event whether or not they're vegan vegan curious just family members yeah, just supportive but they vegans. were all there and like yeah. yeah I get like goosebumps thinking about it today but um so if you were thinking about becoming vegan and then you came to this event of course like it would feel a lot easier because you can see other people living that way and and exactly um I guess it was that that camaraderie uh that normalization you felt like you were part of something part of a movement and then you were shown all these wonderful products and this wide variety of products and then you were also shown by these not-for-profit organizations working tirelessly to bring kindness in the world that these this is the reason why we strive there were all these positive aspects that you when you went around the the rooms and then also another aspect of world vegan day which maybe we'll talk about after the break Mm -hmm. is that the workshops and the participation of people in those workshops and demonstrations and everything which added that extra element to it you're not just coming to buy things you're not even just coming to talk to organizations you're there to actively participate in talks and workshops and be hands-on to learn more about veganism which I thought was you know it was just a fantastic thing to have all of those things at once Um, But we're probably heading into a break soon. Um, Actually, the first um, first, uh, music that we're going to play is um, The uh, Machine Lies Finally at Rest. Now, um, with the the songs today, we have an all-vegan outfit um, 
comprised of Jeff Clementson and Damian Langley, who you might know, uh, Malia. Uh, they, I think, I believe they actually played at um, World Vegan Day at some stage. Uh, they're two vegans who went vegan coincidentally in 2003 the oh. first year of world vegan day melbourne i wonder oh, no. if that's related i should ask them um so they have a band called privateer uh, and this is their first song which is actually my favorite of the and as yet unofficially released demos um, that they have so let's head into that one now Future, but you 
Wildlife Victoria is a non-profit wildlife emergency response service dedicated to helping wildlife in need across Victoria. Our volunteers rescue and rehabilitate sick, injured and orphaned wildlife. If you see wildlife that may need our help, on the road, in your backyard or in the bush, please contact us immediately on 84007300. That's 84007300. To donate or to become a volunteer, visit wildlifevictoria.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Fafias are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes Fafias and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white Kafia to an array of modern designs, explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. We're your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kufias.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. You are listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR. We are back again and today's topic is World Vegan Day. That uh, song that you just heard was The Last Machine Lies Finally at Rest by the outfit Privateer, uh, which is a two-piece indie electronic music band from Melbourne uh, featuring Jeff Clementson, who is on vocals, keys, synth, bass, guitars, drum programming, and Damien Langley, who is on drums, percussion and bass. Uh, Jeff and Damien uh, were both formerly members of the indie folk rock septet Autumn Grey and both Jeff and Damien have been vegan since 2003, which is coincidentally when the first World Vegan Day was mm. on, which um, interesting. I'll have to ask them about that. Maybe they were one of the converts. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> which is fantastic. And we But have... the first event would have only yeah. been your friends pretty much. Was there anyone that came along oh, that you yeah. didn't know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of the hundred very people. First event. Oh, really? Yeah, couple, oh, there's a couple of hundred Even people. First one. There okay. were people I didn't know there, which is really rare in the Melbourne vegan scene <laughs> back then. That's what I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking, especially if wasn't it wasn't that planned many of that much in advance. Yeah. That... Well, there was there was a bunch of people. So the four stalls there, I think, was uh, Choose Cruelty Free, Vegetarian Victoria, Animal Liberation, and I can't remember. What, maybe it was a World Vegan Day was stall. It? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, has Mark given you the info? I was just having a quick look. Yeah. <laughs> My memory isn't that great. But I know that um, Animal Lib brought in a f- quite a few people. Um, yeah, we, cool. you know, we advertised, etc. So there were people that I didn't like. Sometimes there were like people I would know the faces of, but I've not, that I'm not. I don't know them. Mm. Um, but essentially, Mark was saying it was a really cold, windy day, though. Yeah, so that it wasn't would have really affected. It would have affected numbers. Yeah, and we, then, we yeah. may have had more people if we didn't have that cold, windy day. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, but it is it is actually quite interesting because back then in the early 2000s, there weren't that many of us and you knew, at least by face, most of the vegans in Melbourne, mm. um, which is, yeah, it's very funny now. No idea who all these people are. No <laughs> idea. Oh, my gosh. And that's awesome because it means that there's thousands and thousands of us. But just getting back to what we were talking about um, before the break, uh, now we were talking about 
how the World Vegan Day Melbourne event, which evolved into a massive event, I think at the the end it was attracting maybe 20,000 people 25,000. 25,000. Roughly, yeah. That's amazing. It's so 25,000 people for an all-vegan event specifically one about day, a vegan and, lifestyle. Yeah, and a one-day event too. Exactly, mm. just yeah. a one-day event. And um, I know that we spoke uh, before the show and one of the things that, you know, as one of the co-founders, it, you know, right from, saw it right from the start. I went to World Vegan Day when it was at the, 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 um, the showgrounds and I came by train and I walked into Flinders Street Station and on the platform they had the trains, which they'd specifically started running and opened up that train station for World Vegan Day. Yeah, because the showgrounds line only opens only opens for big events for, for certain events yeah. that they and choose to open. Exactly, it for. and you have to be yeah. able to yeah. show that, that that you've got the numbers. There's that a demand that will warrant yep. yeah. staffing us extra stations. And um, stuff. But to hear, uh, you know, train blah 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 is going to World Vegan Day. Train on platform blah blah blah. World Vegan Day. World Vegan <laughs> Day train. To hear that over the announcement in Flinders Street Station yeah. was the point where I realised that it had gone mainstream mm. and I was just like the elation was amazing. It's the same sort of thing when you see all those people and you were like, oh, my gosh, these people are here for this cause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the fact that it's in, I mean, one of the biggest venues in Melbourne for events mm. uh, as well, regardless Absolutely. of what that event is. But, yeah. yeah um, not not so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there is a little bit of a controversy about yeah. that location. But, I mean, I, I do have to say um, in in – I know in the early uh, earlier parts when we were getting bigger and bigger, it was so hard to find a venue mm. that would allow us to have people distribute flyers, that would allow their own our own catering to come in, that would allow pets and, and companion animals because that was a really important thing as well. Yeah, all of those things. Basically, people were like, "Yeah, you can have this big event, but we have to cater for you." And we're like, "You don't know what veganism is. We're not going to mm. do it." And that's not the point yeah. of the event, exactly. Either. And then also, oh, you can come in, but nobody can distribute flyers. Well, how are the not-for-profits supposed to? promote themselves and and get their word out you know yeah. and it was a very hard and I'm sure that you saw that in organizing it it was such a hard thing to do to find a venue that would allow the promotion of a vegan and ethical lifestyle as to the max essentially yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. and the showgrounds offered various spaces open mm. Um, indoor spaces, outdoor spaces, and we started with only I think one building, and it was very clear in that first year that it was just too too small a space the amount of people passing through. I mean, mm. I attended as a punter that year, and I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, these lines are so long, and there's no room for people to move around." It was just one building, yeah, and I think there was the music and food outside, and they had all the stalls inside. And then from there, it just kept growing and growing. And the beauty of the showgrounds was that there were so many um, buildings that we could expand. expand. Into, yeah. And we had the outdoor mm. space, which eventually um, we had the big, in the end, we had the, the, the grassed area outside for live music. Yeah. Mm. Um, we had indoor spaces, which included this um, fitness zone. We mm. had um, a cooking demonstration, which was such a big part of the event because it, you know, people could come and watch how to make different vegan food. The speaker stage in the end was one of the biggest parts of the event because we had, you know, local speakers, but also international speakers. Um, yeah. Like we also had footballers and I mean, Ben Brown, a footballer. We had an Olympian, Morgan Mitchell, 
I mean, another Collingwood footballer, I don't know who it was. I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, we had – and then – so, yeah, the, yeah, the showgrounds yeah. enabled us to create a space for the community to come and explore veganism beyond food and beyond just products you can buy. Yeah. Um, there was a kid zone, which was always really fun. We had an art show um, enabling vegan artists to display their, their work and – one few years we had speed dating, which was always really popular. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, what else did we have? I'm oh, there was so so much. And, um, um, and there was a chill out area, and there were just. And I think um, one of the things that I really liked about the the larger venue was accessibility. Uh, so you know that's a big that's thing true. for me. Yeah. Um, one of the problems with a smaller space is navigating it with a wheelchair or walking frame mm. or other mobility devices. Then also there's the idea of uh, you. it's a very large and very loud environment, but you also want places where people who are being overstimulated, who have perhaps pro- sensory processing issues, etc., can go to the quiet places mm. and they can recoup and then go back into the main areas. And I really felt that... Um, the way that it was set up was actually a very important part of becoming more accessible mm. to everybody. Because as yeah. we know, veganism is a is all about a kindness and compassion philosophy. Mm. And that includes and should include and be inclusive of everyone regardless of, you know, any mobility issues, any sensory processing or any yeah, other issues sure. that they face that, 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 you know, makes them struggle in life. Yeah. It's part of the kindness and the part of the inclusivity. Which I thought was wonderful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like from what you're both saying that this venue like ticked every single box other than one, which was just who the owners are or where where unfortunately the money for hire is going to. And Mm. I always found it interesting when people would debate, because there were debates about like should people go, should people not, should Mm. vegans boycott it or not because of the venue only. Like people were talking about that. And this is a legitimate debate. That's legitimate. Yeah, but but no one would actually like in a meaningful way really engage on what the alternatives were and discuss them. There it was weren't just, any alternatives. This it was, was the problem. It was a very knee-jerk sort of reaction of, well, we don't like this, so we're not going to go. It was like, well, what else? Like, as you're saying, like all those boxes that are ticked, mm. no one's really coming up with an alternative that ticks all those boxes and no. goes better. And, and and also being a Melbourne venue, like weather is always something that we're fighting against. So yes. yeah. if you were to rely completely on an outdoor venue and – like a week before the event, which takes months and months of planning. Yeah, exactly. Um, to then like a week out go, well, it's going to rain next week. And we have gale like, force storms yeah. and then all these businesses lose their money that they've invested. Exactly. And, and, you know, and all of the organisations that are coming along, they're going to the event and they're not getting the, you know, the, the exposure, etc. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really important, I mean... Yeah, it was it was such a it was such a huge thing to discuss. I guess my take on it as a really positive take is, um, you know, yes, it is the Melbourne show, and mm. and there are so many unethical things that occur in the Melbourne show, like you know the animal uh, displays and all of that sort of stuff. But what if we present an alternative event that grows to the point where it out shines the Melbourne show Mm. and takes over from the significance of that venue, Mm. then what happens then? Should we not try? Mm. Should we not then say this is an alternative? And also, like, if we raise these questions and say, you know, like the the displaying of animals at the show is unethical, um, you know, what kind of then um, voice do we have if we make that known and a large event says, hey, this is an alternative as well? Yeah. I think. 
I remember that, that that space I was talking about earlier where I was just packed with people. That that venue is the venue that they were that they would house the animals on display in at the sh- mm. at the show. And I you know I remember thinking about it around the time like even though that's what happens there just months before World Vegan Day, like the fact that this is now filled with people who are interested in changing the outcome for animals just by what they're consuming, um, Mm. like it's sort of coming from the inside out in a way, like the fact that that space can be overtaken by people wanting Mm. to make changes for animals. um, Yeah, it's just an interesting sort of way to, Yeah, I don't know. Just yeah. an interesting thought, like interesting um, aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. and um, do we want to limit um, the number of people that come and the, and the number of people that that World Vegan Day outreaches to because of the venue when we can actually actively and it has converted people to veganism mm-hmm. and to the understanding that the you know the, the use of animals is unethical. Yeah, you know, and and just on talking about that, I I just wanted to talk about the idea that. The World Vegan Day Melbourne event, which was such a seminal event and and changed the the vegan landscape, how it changed the vegan landscape. Did you see the changes that occurred? I mean, just having a look from when we first started, you know, 200 people, four stalls, a picnic, Mm. to going to thousands, to going to tens of thousands and, you know, getting major sponsorship and all these high-profile people and stuff like that. Do you think... Have you seen that uh, that change within the community? So it's not just a, an annual event. It's an event that basically promotes veganism for the, the other 364 days of the year, mm. you know, and normalising it and converting those people. Did you see, like, with businesses or with people's attitudes, et cetera? Um, I mean, I, I don't have any specific examples, but I just think if you look – around at the culture of veganism within Melbourne and then also how just consumerism has like changed say what when you can go to Woolworths or Coles and what you can buy maybe you could only buy that at a health food shop however many years ago or even that product didn't exist and the amount of options we have now I think events like World Vegan Day definitely um, shaped that and also you know well, Vegan Day um, also really supported not just the businesses who were at World Vegan Day, but local restaurants. You know, we had a, a, vegeta- a list every year that would list, you know, which restaurants um, so you could look at your suburb and see where to go. Like before, mm. you know, the wake of social media as it is now, like these sort of PDF files where you could yeah. look up your suburb. I remember distributing <laughs> tens of yeah. thousands of those at festivals. Yeah, And like yeah. those things. So it was also about supporting not just the one-day event but the community as a whole. Yeah. And I mean you can never really say for sure but it's there's definitely a correlation between having something as an annual event which celebrates the vegan community. I mean even now like on social media and I'm still getting people asking through groups and through um, Facebook and Instagram, is World Vegan Day still going ahead? And even though it hasn't been around since 2019, that the essence of it is still alive. And, and the people, impetus for people to yeah, want that. They know yeah. that that time of year is when the event happens. And there's mm. obviously that space there that needs to be fulfilled in people because that's yeah. part of being vegan in Melbourne. 
yeah. exactly. And um, I guess we can now talk about the future of World Vegan Day because, as you, you mentioned, the last World Vegan Day was in 2019 and we all know what happened shortly after mm. World Vegan Day in 2019. We had that black hole of society, you know, that was COVID and nothing was on and, you know, nobody was doing anything. But then as we came out of it... For um, good reason, though. Obviously. No, no. Just we definitely, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, reason, we we definitely was, we want to save lives and yes. we want to make sure that our actions, you know, reflect that for sure. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we can say that, you know, COVID affected big events, et cetera, but whilst also uh, endorsing the actions that were taken to, you know, to yep. save lives. Um, so, yeah, we, we came out of, the, of sort of the black hole of those COVID restrictions but then it became increasingly difficult for larger events to get up get up again and mm. you know and then we have the cost of living crisis etc so what is the future of world vegan day melbourne is it coming back um when is it coming back <laughs> can you give us the dirt because you know you're still in the know yeah well first of all like covid and that period really affected the entertainment and events industry heavily as a whole yeah. um and world vegan day being a non-for-profit like it's it's not as easy to get up 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 and running as say maybe um, a commercial event because predominantly world vegan day is run by volunteers and mm. it's not and it's something that takes months and months and months of organizing and um logistics and you know it's it's a it's one of the like at one of the um, biggest vegan events in the world at the time. Yes, yeah. So, and it, it's not a... That sm- can't be understated. No, <laughs> and as much as we all want it to return, like it's, we can't just click our fingers and it's, and it's um, going to come back straight away. But that doesn't mean mm. it's not going to come back. Um, we're sort of in the process of discovering, not discovering, but... Um, figuring out the possibility of it coming back in 2024 um not making any promises by any means but it it you heard it first here folks (laughs) (laughs) but we're exploring a new venue um and also can you tell us anything about that venue at the moment um it's already running as an events venue um in port melbourne and it's a smaller venue but we have the opportunity to potentially run world vegan day for more than a one-day event so Uh We might be able to run it across two days, and um, but yeah, there's still a lot of working out if that's feasible and what you know. Um, it also means that with this little pause that we've had with World Vegan Day and a potential change in venue, and it means that we can reimagine World Vegan Day and we can potentially, you know, um, change not change it, but you know, we can. Bring it back to life with with reinvigorate reinvigorate it, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's exciting, and we, I mean, we know that the vegan community wants it, um, and we're mm. you know we're just thankful for the you know the response that we recognise the community. Without the community, these events wouldn't be happening either because they wouldn't yeah. grow if people weren't interested. There would just still be a picnic in the park. Mm. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Oh, I'm just rambling now, but um. no, that's okay. And look, I, I, I think um, one of the things that I really miss about World Vegan Day is we need the larger events where the not-for-profits have a platform. 
And yeah. at the moment, we don't have those larger events. And I think, um, I mean, now more than ever with the cost of living crisis, these people who selflessly sacrifice um, their time, their effort, and often their money uh, towards, you know, rescuing animals, uh, towards, you know, pushing and promoting mm. more ethical animal, um, you know, things, they need a platform and they need to be promoting and networking themselves mm. to the very people who might actually give them a platform and help and volunteer and, and donate, yeah. et cetera, and, and help them in their cause. And I, I sort of see that as something that is is we need to we need to continue mm. you know and that reinvigorating could possibly you know include that sort of stuff and have that kind of not-for-profit edge to it as well yeah and that's I mean that's such an important part of it like you've mentioned today and even Mark when I spoke to him prior to this conversation today like that's what he reiterated is just the non the non-for-profit aspect of supporting all these non-for-profit organizations and giving them a mm. platform because you know, it's easy enough to like look on your socials and have it flooded with like the next next best vegan meal that you can eat. But yeah, yeah it's a lot. But often those those not for profits don't really get a look in because veganism is all about food and mm -hmm. it's all about like where do I get my products and where do I get my awesome meal or something yeah. like that. And so to come face to face with those people who are doing that heavy lifting behind the scenes is I think it's an eye opener yeah. for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So I think um, we'll probably go to the next song. Um, now, this one is called uh, Sarajevo. That's once again by um, Privateer. And we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the future and also what you're doing as well.
fun on Melbourne Cup Day, but without the cruelty by saying nup to the cup. Join Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses and Ten Fingers on Tuesday 7th of November for fashions on the field at the Flemington Bowls Club from 11am. Live music, DJs, delicious food, lawn bowls, outlandish dress-ups and human races. Let's celebrate animals, not exploit them. Visit nuptothecup.org for tickets. Help us make the first Tuesday of November a party for the animals. Nup to the Cup is a 3CR supporter. A, uh, logging operation. Any person found within this coop is offending. Can they please leave? You're allowed no closer than the bridge down the track there. Any person that's found in the coop will be arrested and charged. <laughs> I direct that you all leave now. Gecko's turning 30 and we're having a party. The Goongra Environment Centre has been fighting to protect East Gippsland's forest since 1993 and we want a party with you. There'll be music, performances, food, drink, old friends and new friends. What better way to celebrate the end of native forest logging in Victoria? From December 1st to the 3rd in Goongra, East Gippsland. To find out more, go to gecko.org.au. Gecko, 30 years fighting for forests. Get down to the party. Celebrate with us. A 3CR supporter. You are listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR. That song that we just listened to was Sarajevo by Privateer. So all the songs that we're playing today are by the outfit Privateer. You can catch them on SoundCloud. We also heard the Nut to the Cup ad. Uh, we have a couple of episodes ago, we interviewed Elio Salotto of um, the uh, Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. So there is a big Nut to the Cup episode that you can um, have a look at. And definitely I would encourage you to attend a Nut to the Cup event as well. Check out the show notes on that one or also on the Nut to the Cup website as well. Yeah. We're here with Amalia and we've been talking all about World Vegan Day and now I actually just want to have a chat to you about what you're doing now and your little business, Little Milk Bar. <laughs> Thanks, Meg. Uh, yeah, I've, I so I've got my little vegan van, um, Little Milk Bar, which uh, I actually purchased at the end of 2019. Um, from a mother and daughter who started that as like a passion project. And I jumped on board taking that over because I have for so many years dreamt of having my own vegan business. And when I mm. saw that come avail become available, I just, I don't know, instinct just took over and I applied and, uh, I mean, not applied, but, you know, I made contact and um, took over that business and I didn't actually start trading with the business until March 2020. Um, three weeks later, we went into the first lockdown yeah, well, um, oh in Melbourne. But I was trading along the uh, Maribyrnong River in Aberfeldy, which actually worked out really well because everyone I was remember we, we, uh, our family came up and uh, bought stuff from oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, that seems so long ago now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, was, it worked out well because everyone was out exercising at that time. Yes. So. And there wasn't a lot of, I mean, on the river, there's a few coffee places, but it was, yeah. Was it we, your choice to be there or was that where the previous owners had The previous had set owners up? had established that yeah. spot. 
Um, and it was so such kept a it going. Yeah, and it was just, such a beautiful location. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we traded there for two and a half years, and then um, some about this time last year or. Uh, mid mid last year, sorry, I started trading at Melbourne Uni. So I've sort of become permanent sp- trader at Melbourne Uni and mm. I have my food van there. And so what, what days are you there at Melbourne Uni? We're at see? Melbourne Uni Monday to Thursday. Oh, okay. So yeah. mon- Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and it's good to note, actually, that two of the hosts of Freedom of Species yeah. are your regular <laughs> customers, Claire and Nick, I think. That's Is right. That right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nick was a customer for a while. Then I bumped into him at the Dominion Rally in April. And that's when he told me he was recording for Freedom of Species. And Fantastic. then, yeah, I'd been serving Claire for a while, but I didn't realise till on, I think, Thursday she told me she's actually also with Freedom of Species. So I was like, yeah. oh, that's so exciting. Um, yeah, so we have a... Yeah, we trade at Melbourne Uni at the moment and then now semester's coming to a close. Uh, over the summer period, I'll be attending some various events. I'll also be at the vegan market in um, Williamstown, the one at Seaworks, which is coming up on the oh, cool. 18th of November. Oh, excellent. The Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and then just different events um, throughout December and November I'll be and where yeah. can people find out where you're going to be those events um, is that on your website I haven't I'll have to update my website okay. but um, <laughs> I all I come pretty active on Instagram so I always yeah. update where I'm going to be and it's little milk bar on Instagram yeah so it? it's yeah. milk bar with a y um, m-y-l-k-b-a-r little milk bar and then yeah little milk bar.com.au is my website and yeah I'll update that but I usually update my socials too to say where I'm going to be. Um, And we'll pop those uh, details in the show notes as well. Okay, thank you. And I just wanted to maybe end uh, the show because we're running out of time. Um, I know that the the larger event, World Vegan Day Melbourne, is not on, but, you know, there are other events on and we'll also pop them in the show notes. But don't wait to go to an event. Make your own event. You know, that's Mm. what we did. And, you know, have a dinner party with friends. Go on a picnic or, you know, even go somewhere and hand out some vegan flyers just to celebrate and to promote, Mm. you know, an ethical lifestyle and to help us push forward that kind of world. Mm. So, yeah. Um, It doesn't – look. the spirit of World Vegan Day is still around. It's still happening all over the world. And events big or small are all important to – you know, to having, to, to reaching for that kind of world that we all strive for, you exactly. know. Exactly. It's been fantastic yeah. having you on here. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I will pop all of your details for Little Milk Bar on the show notes, but you have to keep us updated on uh, whether World Vegan Day comes back in 2024 sure and where we, it's going to be. When I know, I'll, I'll let you know. You'll <laughs> let me know. Fantastic. Maybe yeah. we need to have you back on the show yeah, talking would, about that. I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. You've Definitely. been a great guest. Thanks, yeah. Megan. Thanks. No worries. Thanks, Thank you. Excellent. I think uh, that is about it. So we're going to go to the third song, the last song from Privateer. It's called You Call My Name. Uh, and that's it for us, folks. We hope you have a fantastic week and we hope that you do something special for World Vegan Day, no matter how big or small it is. Yeah, stick around. Mm-hmm. Up next is Rotations from 2 till 3. They're playing some music. But, yeah, we're awesome. going to finish with You Call My Name.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.